Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. For everyone, relationships are key. We have to have strong relationships with other people. We have to feel like we can confide. We need to feel like we belong. We need to be able to get support. And just as important, we need to be able to give support. I told you, Lisa. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's, <laughs> no, and I'm, if you, and I'm, if, I'm saying that because she always tells me that. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, you're very See, right. I steal her ideas yeah. and deliver them back <laughs> in a very convincing way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Oz, and this is the Dr. Oz Podcast. All right, there are two kinds of people in the world. I always tell it to my kids, those who divide the world into two kinds of people and those that don't. My next guest is an expert in dividing people, identifying their habits and patterns, and using what she's learned about our different personality types to help everybody unlock the secret to happiness. Gretchen Rubin joins me now and her book, which is beautifully titled The Four Tendencies, The Indispensable Personality Profiles that Reveal How to Make Your Life Better and Other People's Lives Better, too. We have fought, Gretchen, with my family over this. <laughs> Countless. Is it truly so? It is, actually. <laughs> and it's, it's almost cliche. As soon as I start to say something, as usually mine are like, they're, you know, they're winners and they're losers. They're uh, oh. splitters and they're, they're, they're the usual. It's, but it's classic stuff I heard from my parents, from my coaches, whatever. But it immediately seems to turn them off. Although every once in a while, it seems to have impacted no, them. No, they just think it's hysterical oh. <laughs> because he, he's the he's the divider into two types of people. So, the world. at what? least you have four types of people. <laughs> so, where, where, what made you want to divide things up? Well, you know, I had this conversation with a friend, and she said something that I'd heard many people say similar things. Um, over the years, and she, and it just got me very focused on differences among people. And I and as I pursued it, that's when I figured out there were four differences. But what she said was, um, I was quizzing her about her happiness habits, and my sister Elizabeth calls me a happiness bully, so I was pushing her pretty hard. <laughs> and she said, 
You know, I know I would be happier if I exercised. And the weird thing is, when I was in high school, I was on the track team, and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? And I thought, well, why? What, what's different between now and when she was in high school? And, when I, and, and how would you account for the time that, the, the, for the fact that at one time it was effortless and now she's really struggling? And that got me interested in looking at patterns of how people did or did not successfully change their habits. And eventually that is what led me to understanding the four tendencies. So I was really trying to, I didn't know there were going to be four. I, there could have been two, there could have been seven. I was just trying to figure out how all these people's patterns fit together. How did you explain their behavior? What are the four types? So there are upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. Did it ever dawn on you, since you are the uber happiness expert, that you might make people unhappy by putting them in a category they don't <laughs> want to be in? No, no, that's a, very, that's a very serious question. And a lot of people say, if you define me, you can find me. And they worry that giving labels to people will kind of cramp their sense of possibility, make them feel limited, or become a justification. Well, of course you can't ask me to do that. I'm a rebel, so, you know, forget it. But I think, and maybe you think the same thing, since you're, you're a category person too, is that a lot of times these vocabulary terms, these categories, can be shorthand. They can kind of illuminate hidden aspects of our nature and make it easier to sort of say, hey, I'm one way and you're another. And it's like, I, I think, you know, with the four tendencies, it allows you to be more, take things less personally. Because it's just like, it's not that you're right and I'm wrong or that I'm right and you're wrong. It's just that we, we both kind of coming from different places. Okay, you get up early, I stay up late. It's not that one's better or worse, but you're a lark, I'm an owl. How do we work things out? So I think that labels can be very useful, but you're right. You have to be careful that they don't, um, make people feel constricted. Well, Gretchen, I, I, I have to be honest about this personal bias, which is when I divide things into two categories, one is a good category, one is not oh. a good category. <laughs> I'm not coming up with, like you just mentioned, that there's the night owls, which who don't do as well as the early bird, because early bird gets to work. Guess which right, one right. Mehmet is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the fact is, that's because the world is set up for larks. And the world isn't set up for owls. And so... Unless you're a DJ. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, some people very wisely will organize their life in a way that works for them. And that's what I think in terms of how to be happier, healthier, more productive, more creative. I think instead of saying, like, I should be a certain way, I should force myself to get up earlier, even though it doesn't come naturally to me, you should say, how do I set up my life? How do I set up my circumstances so that things work for me, so that I succeed? And that's what I try to do with the four tendencies is show people, like, well, some people really can do well with to-do lists. Some people love schedules, but some people aren't like that. And there's nothing wrong with you if you can't use a to-do list. There's other things for you to try. So what would those things How be? How early do these types manifest? I mean, like if you have a five-year-old kid, do you know what type they are? Are they born with this or is it your parenting? Well, it's an interesting question. I really do believe, I believe, I'm a big believer in the genetic roots of personality. And I do think that people bring this into the world with them. Some people, for some children, it takes a long time to figure it out because children aren't autonomous in the way that adults are. Um, but for some children, it's as early as like three. And I will often, like if I'm speaking, I will have people in the audience being like, I have a three-year-old, I have a four-year-old, I know they're a rebel, I know they're a questioner, I know that they're an obliger, um, I know that they're an upholder. I have a daughter who's an upholder, and I knew she was an upholder from the time she was like three and a half or four. Um, so it depends on the child, yeah. So before we get into these four types, and I, I know the audience is... You know, anxiously awaiting your definition. <laughs> the reveal. Yeah, the reveal. Tell yes. them, who, who am I? Just give me the answer. <laughs> Let, let's get back to the happiness roots, yes. uh, which is, again, how, how I first heard about you. And I want to applaud you for tackling a seemingly amorphous process, being happy. That's so vital to all of us and putting a little bit of oomph into it. Define happiness. 
Well, so I started my career in law, and so You're I had— You're kidding me. Yeah, oh, yeah. I went Are to, you a lawyer? Oh, yeah. I went to Yale Law School. I clerked for Sandra Day O'Connor. A happy lawyer? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not <laughs> a lawyer now. <laughs> but um, And one of the things you do in law school, you spend an entire semester trying to define contract, and it just drove me crazy. And if anything, happiness is more elusive. Um, there's happiness, joy, bliss, satisfaction, well-being, peace, hedonic, you know, all this stuff. And there's something like 15 academic definitions of happiness. So I never try to define it. I'm like, if it's if for you it's contentment and for you it's bliss, that's okay. We, it's, a, it's a word that's big enough for a lot of different conceptions. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's more helpful for the average person to think about being happier. Because happiness suggests kind of a magical destination. And then it's like, how do you get there? What, how would you know if you're there? Can you stay there? But happier is like, well, if you did this next week, next month, next year, do you think you'd be happier? And I feel like for most people, that's much clearer than like, is this going to help me achieve happiness? I'm like, when I start thinking about that, my my brain starts just kind of like melting. Let me, if I can't push you a little on this, because I've always thought about happiness as different from joy. But see, here do you go. This is, that's how we start having this. It's joy, it's bliss, it's contentment, it's satisfaction. Like, it just becomes a, a question of vocabulary. It's whatever well, feels good to you. Yeah, but, but I'll tell you why I bring it up. Because I have to deal with a lot of sadness. Yes. In the, I, I was operating today. Yeah. So, you, you know, people are happy that the operation went well. They're unhappy they got sick and needed the operation <laughs> yeah. back and forth. So, yeah. happiness to me always seemed like the, the bubbly fizz in a soda pop. It tickles your tongue. It's joyful. I like it. We're laughing. We're smiling. It's, you know, commercials show happiness. You can have really bad things happening and still feel joy because something redeeming was experienced because of it. And it doesn't have, to me anyway, the same depth. It doesn't have the same connotation as happiness, but it has more depth than it. And again, this may just be word and semantics, but I'm trying to establish a concept for me, which is that you can go around the world. And I remember when Lisa and I went to India, we saw these folks who, I mean, I don't know why they were laughing. They're sitting on the corner of the street. They don't have anything that I can see anyway, but they have connection with each other, which is maybe more valuable than anything else. And they seem sort of happy. And people that we were with would say, well, you know, they, in, their, in, in their world, that is the joy that they seek. And I was troubled by that because your initial instinct is to intervene, but that wasn't the natural instinct of the person that we were with who seemed like a pretty good person. Well, one of the things that's interesting is that when you go around the world and you ask people if they're happy, most people say they're either pretty happy or very happy. And, of course, people are in dramatically different circumstances, and we might say, in that situation, I don't think that I would be happy. But the fact is, people are resilient, um, and they take their cues from the people around them. and, uh, And people find a way to be pretty happy or very happy in a lot of very different circumstances. So why is it, why isn't there a one size fit all answer. You were very clear in the book that there isn't. And I thought, yes. well, you know, here's the five secrets to happiness. Yeah. Sounds like a good title. Yeah. Off we go. Forget about the yeah. four tendencies. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the four secrets to happiness. Right, right, right. Well, you know, I mean, there's certain things that you can say are true for just about everyone. Like, if you had to say, what is the secret to happiness? I think you would say relationships. Because for everyone, relationships are key. We have to have strong relationships with other people. We have to feel like we can confide. We need to feel like we belong. We need to be able to get support. And just as important, we need to be able to give support. I told you, Lisa. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's no, and I'm if you, and I'm, if, I'm saying that because she always tells me that. Oh yeah, there you go. Well, you're very See, right. I steal her ideas yeah. and deliver them back in a very convincing way. Just read Gushin's book. That's, and I'm parroting those uh, ideas to you. But so, so something like relationships, I think, is practically universal. But but what a lot of people try to do is they say to, they try to 
say things like, um, you know, uh, do your most important intellectual work first thing in the day when you're freshest. Well, that's not true for everyone. Or if you want to quit an important habit, you should just give it up cold turkey. Well, that works for me because I'm an abstainer. But then other people get kind of panicky and rebellious if they're told they can never do something. They do better when they have it a little bit or sometimes— So they're moderators. But then I have people saying to me, like, it's not healthy for you to be so rigid. Like, you shouldn't say you're never going to eat sugar. And I'm like, why is that? If it's right for me, that's what works for me. It can be different for you. That doesn't mean that we don't, there's not one best way. And I think sometimes people get frustrated with themselves. They beat themselves up. They feel defeated. They say things like, I'm lazy. I have no self-control. I have no willpower because something's not working for them. Something's coming easily to someone else. It's not coming easily to them. And they blame themselves instead of just saying, well, you know what? I tried this. It didn't work for me. Is there another way that I could achieve that same aim? A lot of times there's many ways to skin a cat. There's a lot of ways to do things like exercise more or get more sleep or quit sugar or whatever it is you're trying to do. And if one way doesn't work for you, try something else instead of feeling like you, you know, you need to beat yourself up. Coming up, your tendency type. Good fighting out. Make your life happier. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Talking to Gretchen Rubin, The Four Tendencies is the title of her newest book, I think it's time we begin to get into it. This <laughs> the, has all been preamble. All right, the four so tendencies. The, the cornerstone of the analysis comes down to a simple question. I'm going to ask it for everybody. How do you respond to expectations? Yes. It so sounds why, very boring, but it's actually really important. Why is it so crucial? Well, so this, it, because meeting expectations um, is such a ubiquitous aspect of our lives. So we all face two kinds of expectations. We all have outer expectations, which is a work deadline or a request from a friend, expectations that come to us from the outside. And then we all have inner expectations, what we are asking of ourselves. So I want to keep a New Year's resolution. I want to get back into playing the guitar. And depending on how you respond to outer and inner expectations, the combination, whether you— um, 
that you re- uh, respond to them or you reject them, that's what makes you either an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. So if you can't go through the so four— So go through. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I know this is sometimes hard on the radio, guys, and go buy the book, The Four Tendencies. Give, it, give one to a friend, too. But there, I, there's a quiz online. Yes, happiercast.com slash quiz. Say it again? Happiercast.com slash quiz. Like 1.3 million people have taken this. It's free. It's quick. And it will like spit out an answer for you. But you know what? Most people don't even need to take the quiz if they hear just a brief description. But there is the quiz at happiercast.com. So we took it and I'll reveal my answer. But first, it's such a shocker. Okay. First, I want to. I want to understand. I'll go through the definition. I, I want to pick the best one. <laughs> I want, who's going to win? Can you tell? Yeah, was um, no, there's <laughs> really? a couple that I feel yeah. like are. I'd have to do like a few diagnostic quiz a, questions, but we'll a see. Brain biopsy. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. So they meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what other people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they're, they actually make everything an inner expectation. If it meets their standard, they'll do it no problem. If it fails their standard, they will push back. And they re- typically object to anything arbitrary, inefficient, irrational. Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And so earlier I mentioned my epiphany with my friend on the track team. Well, she's an obliger, I realized. When she had a team and a coach expecting her to show up, she had no trouble going. But when she was just trying to go on her own, she struggled. And then there are rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they choose to do. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. So those are the four. But interestingly, there aren't the same number of people in the tendencies. The biggest tendency for both men and women is obliger. Like, obligers matter in this world because you either are an obliger or you have many obligers in your life. It's a big tendency. Then, questioner. The smallest tendency is rebel. There are not that many rebels. It's conspicuous but it's small. And my tendency, which is the upholder tendency, is only slightly larger. So those are kind of the two polar, um, kind of extreme tendency types, upholder and rebel. There aren't that many upholders and rebels. So Lisa, what do you think you are? Okay, let's hear it. Uh, well, mine is way more complicated. You are clearly an upholder. I'm surrounded by these hyper-performing... <laughs> you, they, I'm such an upholder. You, I, got, you are. I got 100 on the upholder test. <laughs> Literally, me he, too. Excellent. Yeah. You, me, and Hermione Granger. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Zoe, our, <laughs> our third daughter, daughter. Same way. App, I mean, it's, I, I could In fact, our kids are sort of spread out. Well, uh, you have, you. I mean, you probably, you could have one of everything, right? So We, we might actually, because our youngest one, the, the boy Oliver, is, I think he's a rebel. He seems it anyway. He never does anything. He, first of all, he doesn't do anything I tell him to do. And, but he'll often subsequently agreed that what I suggested was rational, then he'll do it. He's more a questioner, though. He does whatever he puts his mind to. He, everything. Like, remember when he gave up gluten or decided to go out on the rugby oh, team? But wait, so let me interrupt you with a question. Yeah. So a lot of times rebels and questioners do look alike. And here's the question for you to tell if he's a questioner or rebel. If you ask him to do something, is his response, why should I? Or is his response, you can't tell me what to do? He's a rebel. You can't tell me what to do. 
Because I tell thing him about, what to do all the time. Does he, he just do doesn't it? do it. No. <laughs> no, but he doesn't. He, it has to make sense to him to do it. Well, that's quite But he doesn't, he doesn't rebel against his inner. See, with the rebels, it looks like they resist both outer and inner expectations. He doesn't resist the inner. He only resists the outer expectations. Okay. So he's probably either a questioner who t- So all of the tendencies overlap with two other tendencies. And so you can tip in the direction of one of your overlapping tendencies. So he's probably either a questioner who tips to rebel or a rebel who tips to questioner. So he's right in that that questioner rebel zone. Um, do you feel like he is, um, like, would it, would it surprise you if he said something like, well, I was going to do that, but now that you've told me to do it, I won't? No, he never does it, um, doesn't do it to, in order to be honored. He won't do it to spite you. No, okay, he, he won't does, do it just out of a spite. No, but, but okay. he's... He also, you can't rely on him to do it if you tell him to do it. Like, call your coach. He'll, he just, it's, if it's not important to him, yeah, it's see, not getting done. Well, see, maybe he's more of a questioner then, because if he's like, I don't see why I should, then he won't do it. Because a questioner is always like, why? Sh-? I'm married to a questioner, so I'm very <laughs> familiar with this, but they're always like, why should Gretchen. I? Yes. Nisa puts the boy on a pedestal. Oh. He, he, he loves his mother back so closely that that's a little unique response. If I oh. were to tell Oliver, <laughs> he is clearly a rebel. I mean, I don't, I, I'm going to have to take the quiz. This boy's a rebel. Okay. Now, I mean, my, our second daughter, uh, you know, yeah. Arabella, I think she's a questioner. Uh, probably, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, so, oh, that's interesting. You can really you can compare and contrast yeah, among so your they're, own they're children. They're different. They they, they 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 first of all they reject what I say. Period. But how they reject it differs. Yes. So I can put them in buckets here. Yeah. <laughs> now my wife. What you, what's Lisa? I'm gonna guess. Remember, guess you want to throw it. No, go ahead. Guess. So please, if you don't mind, define the obliger again one more time. Okay. So an obliger readily meets outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. Hmm. So people who say things like they have trouble with boundaries, they have trouble saying no. Um, the people who give 110%, like something an obliger might say is like, I give 110% to my clients, or I give 110% to my patients, I give 110% to my family. So, of course, I don't have time to exercise or to do X, Y, Z thing for myself. I rest my case. Okay. Is that, that, that sounds... <laughs> is that about perfect? Yeah. Y- yes, and I wouldn't say I fit in any others. I'm just kind of like probably not a unique form of obliger, probably a pretty popular form of obliger where um, it's a resistant obliger so that you, uh, let's put it this way, I still have papers outstanding from college. Uh-huh. So there was, yeah. if there's a way to... Um, she hasn't returned to. She. I'm incredibly we, conscientious. We've been married 33 years. Yeah. There's still thank you notes haven't gone out okay. <laughs> for the presence. So, but I'm very like if if you need me to do something for you, I am. Yeah. Do you know anyone more reliable than I am? No, but it's an external no, thing. But that's what I'm saying. I, but what so will people I, say about I'm me? I'm very reliable, but if you have an expectation of me, I may not yeah, do it. Okay, so, so, that's a, so here's an interesting pattern, which it sounds like you might be describing, which is obliger rebellion. An obliger rebellion is when there's an obliger who will meet, 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 meet expectations, and then suddenly they kind of snap, and they're like, well, this I'm not going to do. And it can be small and symbolic, like I'm not going to finish that thank you note from my thir- wedding 33 years ago, or... I've heard surprisingly a lot of obligers will stay late. They will stay in their cars in the morning to be deliberately late for work as like a minor form of rebellion. (laughs) Or it can be like, you know, they're at a job and they're like, you know what? I've had it. This is over. I'm I'm out. And, you know, or they'll get a divorce. So they're end of 20-year friendship of somebody who's too too demanding. And it happens when obligers feel 
like overwhelmed, drained, taken advantage of, exploited, unheard. And so it's somewhere in their lives, there'll be this kind of moment of rebellion That's where they just won't me. refuse. That's, That's not, not you. No, no not she, at all. I'm not, the, I'm not a self-sacrificing obliger. Right. Um, I'll, I ah. take care of people. For me, it's the self-sabotaging obliger. It's more about perfectionism. I don't do things where I can be judged. And so I resist the performance. So writing, yes. like writing thank you notes, like this is so trivial. You gave me this beautiful note. I'm just saying thank you very much. I wanted to make the perfect yes. thank you note, so I didn't do it. So uh, same thing with any perform, anything that is expected of me that is a performance metric, okay. that's where I don't but perform. That's so interesting. That's so interesting that you say that. That clarifies something that's always been sort of puzzling to me. So for some, so the key thing for obligers, if an obliger needs to meet an inner expectation, they need outer accountability. So if you want to exercise, don't try to go on your own, take a class, work out with a friend who'll be annoyed, you know, um, think of your duty to be a role model for someone else. If you want to read more, join a book group. But what some obligers say is that if there's accountability, it has to be positive accountability. It can't have a feeling of scolding or a failure. It has to be like, that's amazing. You went to the gym five times in one week. That's that's excellent. It's a positive kind of accountability. So someone's counting, but it's all in the positive. And they're like, if people, if I start feeling criticized or attacked or judged, then I will be go into that spirit of rebellion that obligers can often go into. So it sounds like maybe you're like that. Probably. You don't want to have a feeling of people are judging you. And if you and if there is that judgment, then you have this feeling of like, well, I, then you just can't make me. She, she, she's an obliger slash stubborn. <laughs> Ooh. No, I, I noticed you missed the stubborn category. Like questioners, <laughs> obligers, upholders, rebels. Where are the stubborns? Yeah, well, they're all over the place. Upholders are very stubborn, don't you think, Lisa? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice pot calling kettle black hair. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, they all have their core of stubbornness. But so here's something, as a fellow upholder, Lisa, you tell us, don't you think that upholders can sometimes seem cold? Because it's like, we've got to do what we've got to do. And like, it's kind of like, well, I got to go on a 15-mile run because I'm training for the marathon. And just because we have company doesn't mean that I'm going to skip my run. Or you want me to help you proofread your report, but I've got to proofread my own report because it's due tomorrow. So I don't have time to help you. That can make us seem well, cold. It's not just cold. It's, I would say, narcissistic. <laughs> but see, this is why you're the from obligers a lot. But see, here's the thing. This is where it's, this, <laughs> see, this is what <laughs> I think. Giggling. It's so accurate. Okay, but so this is. <laughs> a perfect example, I think, of why the four tendencies can help people deal with conflict better and how it can, you can help you with in your relationships, whether at work or in romance or whatever. Partly, it can make it seem less personal. Like with my questioner husband, I was like, why are you just jerking my chain? I didn't understand. <laughs> He's like this with everyone. But also, it's like what it helps you see is that from someone else's perspective, it makes sense. So you might say like, well, it's pretty cold of you to go on your run when we have guests for the weekend. Yeah. But to an upholder, that's a like that's an important expectation that must be met. And the sense of like loss or of of of, of letting down yourself is so powerful that to an upholder, it really feels appropriate and right. You're just giving him fuel no, 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 but, for well, his of course selfishness. I am, keep I'm, going. No, because, keep going. Stop interrupting, Gresham. Because, because, keep going, Gresham. Because I'm an upholder, too, so I get it. But then other, but now, it's funny, having studied the four tendencies, I understand, like, why upholders can be really annoying to other people. Or, 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 and all the tendencies, they all have strengths and weaknesses. And it's if you don't, if you understand them, you understand, you have a lot more compassion for why to someone else, what they're doing makes sense. And they're not doing something else because of you, but because it's reflecting their fundamental values. And so you don't have, so it's just, everything just feels easier. It's easier to communicate in a way that's going to lead to a successful result. And it also just takes the sting out of things 
Because you're just like, okay, well, I, I see why you think that. Let me tell you why I see things in a different way. There's lots more where that came from, but first, a quick break. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. And we're back with Gretchen Rubin, host of the very popular podcast, Happier. Can you evolve from one category to the next? Because Lisa... Is there an Uber category? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. well, no, it would not have an Uber category. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, in all uh, seriousness, I appreciate that they're all four. They're four equals. Yeah. And you want the all four. Yeah. You, the Bula base won't taste good unless yeah. you have a little bit of everything. That is true. But I suspect people might not want to be an obliger yeah. and they could move into an upholder or vice versa. How, how often does that happen? Well, so I think that really, I mean... Can you change your fundamental nature? Of course, this yes. is a, this is a much this is a much discuss, like discussed thing. But I think what's easier is to change your circumstances and to change your surroundings rather than to try, change yourself. And the thing about an obliger is, if an obliger says, I, "I'm an obliger and I want to be an upholder," what they're saying is, "I want to meet inner expectations." And so, to me, it's like rather than trying to change your fundamental personality, which would be a lot of work and take forever if it was even if it were even possible, just set up your environment, set up your situation so that you get where you want to go. If you're saying to yourself, like, "Why is it that for years?" I've wanted to write my novel and I've never made any progress on it. Instead of saying, like, let me try to turn myself into a holder, why don't you say, how do I get the outer accountability that I need to write that novel? And there's like, once that's the question, there's 15 obvious answers, easy things that you could start tomorrow um, to give yourself outer accountability. And I love, like, some obligers have come up with the most crazy and genius ways to give themselves outer accountability. That's an easy solution. That's quick. I'm like, who cares about, like, I mean, just get where you want to go. Then so, take so, the quick and easy way. So let's say you're married to an obliger and she's she has a screenplay in her, but she can't write it down. What's yes. an example of an external, just pretend it's... Oh, a million things. Okay, so <laughs> one, you could work said, with... Please don't take notes, honey. Okay, okay, you could work with a writing coach who's going to be paid to hold you accountable and to she have deadlines. That. She okay. tried that already. Um, the person you, to your left, by the way. Oh, okay, okay. Um, let's see. Ooh, okay, like, this is like speed round. Um, one is, okay, and you need positive. Okay, one thing you could do 
is tell your kids, I have homework the way you have homework. If I don't do my homework, you don't have to do your homework. And believe me, your kids will watch you like a hawk. Are you making <laughs> progress? Are you working on this? Because this is the time when everybody's doing their work. If you're not doing your work, we don't have to do our work. Right. Right? Because mm. you've got to set a good example. You've got to think of your duty to be a role model for other people. And you also want to show your children that it's important that people keep their promises to themselves. And you are going to show them how you're keeping your promise to yourself. Um, you could also think about um, jan- joining NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. And there's one for screenplays. There's one for plays. And this is when a bunch of people, like for novels, it's November. I don't know what the other disciplines are. And everybody joins together. And like it, there's this whole kind of cool movement all over the country where people sign up and they cheer each other on. And every day you have to report how much you've accomplished. Um, and I that, like that. You you could join a writer group where it's like, um, I know some people who did this for writing their PhD thesis because that's a really a thing a lot of people don't can't get done. And it's like every, they would meet like I think every two weeks and you had to show what you'd done. And the fact is, if you didn't make progress, then everybody else would feel like, oh, we can just blow this off. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe you'd blow off your own PhD thesis, but everybody else really needs to get theirs done. And so you got to hold up your end in order that you don't suck the energy out of what everybody else is doing. So join a writer's group where people are—and you could just say, we're all really going to be committed to this— because that's how we're going to hold ourselves accountable. Now, I even started an app. It's called the Better App, and it's this free app. And one of the things people can do there is form accountability groups. So if you're too busy so you can't meet in person or you're introverted so you don't like to, you don't want to take a class or work out with, you know, with a trainer or something, you can join a group online. And again, it's like we all have this goal. We're all going to hold each other accountable, maybe in a very positive way. You could even say, like, I don't want to be scolded. I want positive only. That's very common among obligers. But once that outer accountability is there, then the action can follow. It's it's when there's this constant attempt to self-generate, that just doesn't work for obligers. And, there, and I, I say that without judgment. It just isn't effective, and it can waste a ton of time because you're, it's like, I need to learn to make myself the priority. I need to put myself first. It's like, okay, that just doesn't work very well. For yeah. Actually, the, if, if you had the four tendencies, colon, the dating app. Yes. Right? Yeah. So what, uh, what would there, you see? Exactly. What, I mean, who gets along with what? The best example is the dog in the morning. Yeah. So Khaleesi's beautiful. She was Mother of Dragon. Mother of Dragon. She wants to, The so, unburnt. So she, she wants to eat and then go out to the bathroom yeah. around 6.30 in the morning. And if I go down at 6.35, I figure she'll be okay for the no, five no, minutes. Eight, eight ten. he thinks she's okay. And the poor dog's sitting there with her legs no, that's crossed, not true. holding not her true. bladder. Well, I can't, I can't tell the anecdote because um, it's very specific. There's a thing in my book where somebody's, a woman is talking to somebody, a, a husband who, who's an upholder. She's an obliger. And she put him through medical school and his residency and all that. And she was saying, like, I always thought that, like, once he got through this stage and then he got through that stage and then he got through that stage, that then he would be there. And she's like, well, the thing is, he's, he's he'll, like, he'll do what he needs to do, and he's a great father, but he he always puts his own, like, his physical training first. And I'm like, I see both perspectives, because to an upholder, that seems laudable. But I can also see to an obliger how that doesn't seem laudable or how a different choice would seem laudable. So again, so anyway, there's an example that's very close to the kind of but you don't know about. any support groups for... Oh. We can start one. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. But, 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 because no one wants to change when they're an upholder. That's interesting. Ooh, is there one tendency that's less likely to want to change? Well, questioners are very committed to being questioners, and rebels are very committed to being rebels. So only but some rebels that... do not like being rebels, and some rebels 
love being rebels. It's interesting. One rebel called other people muggles, which I thought was very <laughs> yes. funny. That's yes, perfect. Um, but then yes. some rebels get very frustrated because one thing about rebels is they can't tell themselves what to do. And so they'll say things like, I decided I'm going to give up bread, and then tomorrow I ran out and ate a whole loaf of sourdough. I bet you, I got a, you said this, and I'm just you know, wandering into, you know, dipping my toe into the, the deep well of work you've done here. <laughs> but it, it would seem to me that because upholders are societally endorsed, uh, and other than our spouses who know us well and can call us out, but for some reason stick around us. In general, because you sort of get away with it, it doesn't sabotage us. Like, for example, an upholder or uh, rather an obliger would be upset and frustrated that they didn't finish their screenplay, right? A rebel might have picked enough problem fights or you know, that they irritate people. A questioner might be questioning so much they're not actually getting things done. Whereas the upholder, at least in the modern world, where oh. a task accomplishment is yes. so vital uh, or rewarded, might actually seem like they're happy or may not want to change or be open to change. Well, but see, all the te- that, that's a good point. All the tendencies have upsides and downsides. And so in all of them have sort of the positive manifestation of it and then the negative manifestation. So let me paint a picture of a different kind of upholder. Rigid. This is my schedule. I can't do it. I'm at work and we need to do things. I'm sorry. I have to do things my way. Oh, I'm a government official and you've handed in your report 20 minutes late. It makes no difference, but I'm going to reject it because 20 minutes is the rule. I'm going to be the the great inquisitor. I'm going to be the person who's so committed to holding up the rules that I kind of destroy the humanity that's there. It's so hard for me to uh, to, to um, let go of it or to see how things need to be sometimes ambiguous or sometimes you need to bend the rules. That can be very hard for upholders. They can get very rigid. They're very, they can get very committed. Or they don't even realize that they could let go of something. I mean, I've literally had things. Where, a friend of mine who's a really, really strong upholder, she was in labor, and her husband was driving her to the hospital. She would not let him speed, and then she wouldn't let him park illegally so she could go in, but forced him to park in the regular parking lot. And then she had, she gave birth like 15 minutes after she did it. And we're like, that's high stakes. And she's like, man, you know, we are not going to park in an emergency parking, you know? And I was like, I get it. I 100% get it. So sometimes they kind of lose sight of the big picture. Um, So this is why I think you said earlier, like the bouillabaisse needs all the ingredients. Like, I feel like as an upholder, I need somebody who's not an upholder around me to remind me there's another way to see things. Like, there could be a different solution here. Um, Like, my husband's a questioner, and I'll say, like, and I'll say to him or I even think in my head, well, what would Jamie say? And Jamie would be, if I feel like I have to do this, what would Jamie say? And Jamie would be like, why would you do that? I'm like, that's a good question for me to remember. Just because I can do something doesn't necessarily mean I should do something, even though that's my instinct. So you just brought up the litmus test of mm. of of act, Mehmet's actual personality. Ooh. There's two kinds of Wait, people. No, no. Uh, this is really this ooh. is this is why I feel just, like I've tapped a nerve here. No, not ooh. at all. We just blew up the whole theory. He is oh. not an upholder at all. Why? He might be a rebel. He no, he's not a rebel either. He's he a, is a questioner. He's a questioner because he's very self motivated. He does exactly what he wants. <laughs> he only follows rules that he's made up. And he that only he makes listens. sense to no. himself. So if he's driving down the road yeah. at 7 o'clock and yeah. there are no cars, he will run a red light. Okay. And he will go through every stop sign. Okay. He does not believe in that external cl- roles. That's, that's a questioner. That's he questioner. is not an upholder. That is so untrue. Hold a second. Please, my God. It's all the context. How many, oh, wait, Scott, we, in wait, the last ask, month, how many, red, how many stop signs have we run, run when you're driving? A lot. Yes. But, here, but, but let me just, here's the story. This is actually what goes Zoe's down. Zoe is an upholder. Okay, okay so, okay, so you come. <laughs> Get to read the book. You're, you're in the middle of the heartland of this great country on okay. the plains. Okay, I'm from Missouri, Missouri, Kansas. Missouri. So, you yeah. can see as yeah. 
far yes, in Nebraska. every direction as possible. Yes. The right, the, right. This is literally an example in the book. Yeah, okay, so. Do exactly, you go exactly, through. Exactly. So the it, light's it, blinking. The light's not blinking. The light's red. Okay. The light is red, and there's you can turn, you, and if you want, you can go through the red light. And there's no cars coming in any direction. <laughs> Assume that I'm right on that. Yeah. It's a four-way intersection. There's a red light, and it's red for you, and it's broken. Right? It's oh, not broken, no, no. it's just longer okay, than it's you a like long red it. light, okay? And forget about being broken. It's just a red light. And you, you come there, and there you realize that light was put there to keep you safe. That's questioner. But it is no longer That's doing questioner. that. That's questioner. Should you cross you. the light? That's questioner. He will always go through it. It doesn't yes. matter. He says Missouri, whatever, the Nebraska. Yeah, I, Literally Manhattan, if it's four in the morning. That's questioner. Yeah. Because the questioner is, why should I? <laughs> uh, but see, the thing is, because questioners <laughs> and upholders both readily meet inner expectations. So they have a lot in common, because they both can meet inner expectations. The question is is how, how much do they feel like they need to observe outer expectations? Zero. Okay, so man. for instance here, let me give you oh, another example. <laughs> you and I are in a coffee shop, and there's like a back room, and there's no there's no wait staff back there, and, and we're just alone. It's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. No one's come by, and there's a big sign on the wall that says no cell phone use. And I pull out my cell phone and start using it. How would you feel? I probably wouldn't mind that much because what the heck. More importantly, he'll already be on his I'll cell phone. Okay. On my cell phone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So for, for, usually an upholder would feel uneasy about that because it's like, oh, there's oh, a no, sign that's, that's, no, no. that's You're not an no. upholder. See, he no. took the test okay. all wrong. I'm a okay. questioner. Okay. You know what threw me up there? A couple of questions in the middle where you have, there's like four words and you got to apply it to yourself. Well, see, questioners often, first of all, questioners often take the, qu- the quiz multiple times because they're like, I don't know what I would have answered. It's very context-specific. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, questioners often feel like they fit in no category because they're like, well, in this situation, I would re- react that's like a, an upholder. Exactly in this situation, I, I would react like, like, like a rebel. Like questions 11 through 15, I felt like that. Where I but see, but, this, but the thing is, I think it's really helpful to sort of see, okay, so now we know that you're a questioner who tips to upholder. Um, because uh, and um, because you're close to that kind of upholder way. Some questioners look much more like rebels. But anyway, so I would say to you, one of the things, if you feel like he's not doing what you want, is to give him a reason. So, like, with my husband, I remember I would say to him, like, can you stop off at the grocery store and get smoked turkey? And he would be like, why? Sh-? He wouldn't because he'd be like, well, why should I? We've got plenty of food at home and if you want I don't like waiting in the line to get smoked turkey and if you want smoked turkey you get wait I line. like your husband but if, but if I said to him our daughter's going on a field trip and needs to pack a brown bag lunch can you please pick up turkey on the way home he would because he's like that's a reason uh, that is a perfect example and that's literally exactly what happens if it's an abstract go buy ice yeah. it's winter and yeah. why am I going to buy ice yes, go outside yes. and collect it there but you go. The, <laughs> we, we need ice because you know, someone's coming over tonight alright anyway on that note, Gretchen Rubin, her book is called The Four Tendencies. These are indispensable personality profiles that reveal how to make your life better. Pick it up, take the quiz, take advantage of all the wisdom shared with Thank you for joining us. Thank you. This is so fun. <laughs> I told you I was a This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.